This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KYW Original Podcasts. Tracking the culinary evolution of a neighborhood through the Second Street Festival. Standard Tap opened in 2000. And when we opened, there was basically not another restaurant within walking distance of us. Take a look at how the Second Street Festival came to be and talk about what it brings to the neighborhood. So what does it take to put together the Second Street Festival? Oh, it's easy. Um. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, we're also talking about the food. There's strong personalities to the restaurants, I think, reflected from the ownership, for better or for worse at times. And the drink that you'll find at the festival. At El Camino, they're taking whole pineapples, quarrying them right in front of you, mashing up the pineapple, making a drink, a rum drink, and putting it right back in and giving you a whole pineapple. For us, we're going to be crushing, I don't know how many, watermelons, making all that stuff just for cocktails. What are you drinking it out of? Not with, <laughs> <laughs> We thought about that. Keep listening to find out what's good to eat. So I'm getting ready to interview William Reed from the Second Street Festival. He's one of the founders of the festival back in 2008. And since then, Northern Liberties has definitely evolved and changed a lot. It's been, uh, I guess, 11 years now. So I'm going to ask him about the evolution of the neighborhood, what the neighborhood was like back then compared to what it's like now. And also I'm going to ask him what they have in store for this Second Street Festival, which is uh, one of the biggest events I know for the neighborhood of Northern Liberties. I'm looking forward to meeting him. This is the first time I'm actually meeting him in person. And uh, we'll see what he has in store for Sunday. I'm Hadass Kuznets with William Reed, co-owner of the Standard Tap in Northern Liberties. He's also one of the founders of the Second Street Festival. And we're talking about the 11th annual Second Street Festival. I can't believe it's the 11th annual. Uh, It's kind of shocking. Yes, it's uh, been 11 years of producing this festival. If you would have asked me without me looking at notes or anything, I would have said eighth or something like that. But it's uh, 11 years. So 11 years of restaurants and food in Northern Liberty is basically kind of a snapshot of what's going on in that neighborhood. Yes. Yeah. It's been uh, it's been a lot of change. We have a lot of a lot of new restaurants that have come in. There's a lot of just changes in all kinds of things. You know, it's uh, the cocktail culture has risen quite a bit. It used to be all about local beer. Now the cocktail culture is rivaling it. It's a different uh, neighborhood. Take us back to what the neighborhood was like in 2008. 2008. Well, I'll take it back just a little further because Standard Tap opened in 2000. And when we opened, there was basically not another restaurant within walking distance of us. So then a few years later, a a bunch of other restaurants started opening. Uh, Dos Segundos, the Mexican restaurant that Owen Camajira has, and uh, North Third, and um, a whole bunch of other restaurants opened. And when we started getting a little bit of a critical mass, one of the things we started talking about right around 2008, it took us a little little bit of time to get everything together, was that Second Street felt like a highway. There were less stop signs and less stop lights. There wasn't one at Second and Poplar, like zero traffic control. And so cars would come past the standard tap at Second and Poplar, sometimes doing, I'm not joking, 90 miles an hour. 
Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah. That's dangerous, especially with a bar on the corner. Yeah, it was it was incredibly dangerous. And it just had to do with Second Street being viewed as a corridor to get through rather than a destination. And so one of the big goals of Second Street Festival when we did it was stop the traffic for a day and let pedestrians take over the street and everybody walk up and down the street and actually see all the the richness of all the restaurants and the bars and the shops and everything and really enjoy it in a leisurely way. So that was really the impetus of starting it. Was the piazza open at that point? The piazza wasn't quite open. It, it was probably just getting under construction, I think, or it was close. That Then that was a big deal because that brought a whole bunch of restaurants. Yeah, that was... Um, a whole, like another village opening up next to you in a sense or within your confines. Um, the piazza is sort of uh, the big bear at the end of the street there. And at first we didn't really know, like independent restaurants, which I'm one of them, we didn't really know how to deal with the piazza. You know, it's just a whole different kind of big money project. Even if there's a lot of independent stores and restaurants that rent, and take up residence there, it was just such a different beast. So it took us a couple of years of doing the festival before we actually really invited them in to be full participants. And then it, it was actually a really great idea. Maybe it's not the exact development you, any like I wanted or somebody else wanted, but it's part of your neighborhood now and you just, you know, you got to deal with it and make it the best you can. So how has the restaurant scene in this particular neighborhood of Northern Liberties evolved over the past 11 years now? <laughs> 11 years. Um, Over yeah. a decade. Yeah, it's it's changed quite a bit. When Standard Tap first opened, we were doing farm to table basically, and we weren't even called a gastropub because nobody called anything a gastropub. As years progressed, that sort of became what a lot of the the restaurants in the neighborhood became known for: is doing um, very direct farm to table kind of seasonal menus. You know, being really great supporters of local beer breweries later local distilleries. But things have changed quite a bit. You know, you have a lot of variety of restaurants that have opened up. One of the cool things is it's almost 100% independent restaurants. They're not, there's no chains, there's no national brands. And so I find that just way more interesting. Then the restaurants are showcased during the festival, which is, that's like so nice. We have all these festivals in the city and they're all neighborhood festivals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that you really want to highlight what your neighborhood actually is and not try to turn it into somewhere else during the festival. I mean, that was the whole point of it is to really show off the neighborhood, the diversity, the vibrancy of the neighborhood. Over the years, there's different amounts of struggle we've had with the neighborhood as far as, you know, uh, vacant buildings or lots of construction actually in the last few years is more of a nuisance than anything. But there's so many great things about the neighborhood. So the festivals try to highlight that and it to highlight the diversity of the restaurants, the diversity of the art scene, the music, everything. I, I find that the restaurants really do reflect the neighborhood and you like with the ethnicities and, you know, what kind of food you're eating and the diversity, like you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I see there's strong personalities to the restaurants, I think, reflected from the ownership for better or for worse at times. But I think it makes a much more interesting dining scene. Nobody's just trying to follow a trend. People really are passionate about what they're doing and leading with their, their hearts or maybe their stomachs or something, but, but they're doing what they want to do. So give me kind of like a, an overview of what types of food we can experience at the Second Street Festival. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff. So we have two great Mexican restaurants holding down on Second Street. So we have Cantina Dos Segundos on Second, close to Laurel. They're going to be outside with a big beer tent with lots of margaritas, and they always do a great job with all kinds of fresh 
Mexican food prepared outside right there. And then we also have El Camino, which is up at the other end of the, uh, at the north end of 2nd Street. And they always roll big. And they're going to be coring pineapples and making drinks out of those. They're going to be doing um, all kinds of tacos and all kinds of stuff. It's going to be pretty cool. Standard Tap. We do a slightly more farm-to-table kind of feel of our stuff. We have great purveyors. We're going to be doing a lamb sandwich this time. We have a whole lot of other stuff, but that's the thing I'm really excited about. We also have a lot of food trucks coming and some really great ones. I mean, for some for, for a lot of people, I think the food truck scene is some of the cutting edge change that's happened in Philadelphia. I think, you know, like the first food truck that showed up in Northern Liberties was a hot dog cart and it was Dapper Dogs. So it was kind of cool. They did a different style. You know, they do Chicago style hot dogs and other kind of things. The trucks we invite to the festival, we want to make sure that they're bringing something unique and that it's something that isn't replicated up and down the street. So it's it's cool to see that. I mean, the, the wood fired pizza oven on the, on the back of Nomad Pizza, that's amazing to look at and it's an amazing pizza you know it's it's worth the long line that sometimes forms at that food truck i didn't know that the food truck has a wood-fired pizza in the truck yeah yeah it's pretty cool i'd say it's like a 1960 1950 something truck flatbed with a full masonry i don't know if it's a brick oven but a full oven on the back that's wood-fired it's amazing because those things in restaurants are like (laughs) a million pounds Yes, that's the one. Yeah, That's amazing. Yeah, it's cool. I think they run that thing at close to 800 degrees. And so the pizzas come out of there in just a short amount of time. They do that thin crust style pizza. It's great. It's amazing. There's like magic in the truck. Yeah. (laughs) Fueled with magic. Fueled with magic. Uh, What else is uh, like, what uh, what else do I need to ask you? You're like, you're telling me stuff about these trucks. And I'm like, wow, I didn't know that. So (laughs) tell me about like the, what else is like in the trucks? Well, let's see. I guess Poi Dog is a cool one because it's the Asian style food truck. And you don't usually see it done in, you see like um, fried rice kind of trucks and everything. But this is much more fresh prepared kind of things. The Poke Bowl truck kind of speaks for itself pretty amazing that's becoming very popular in philly we're seeing that a lot the hawaiian food there was a time when people didn't even know what that was right yeah i think it has and it's kind of fits in with people's idea of eating a little lighter and fresher you know you don't feel like you have to go out and take a nap afterwards it's kind of a nice way to eat especially in the summer yeah it's great for the summer we also have stuff that's less on the savory side you have a whole bunch of sweet purveyors out there you have little pop shop with uh, fresh fruit popsicles and stuff like that it's really cool mom's pops we have mr softy definitely a classic you might have seen him before but you know <laughs> you almost can't have a festival without mr softy i think i've tried about four times to buy his t-shirt from him and he'll never sell his t-shirt for whatever reason. oh really <laughs> it's just something about it it's such a cool shirt right and every time i'm like you sell that shirt and he's like no you have to become a frosty mr frosty maybe you might want to consider it yeah <laughs> one of those jobs you yeah in there for a week and then you quit there's um I, I mentioned just briefly the cocktail scene has gotten has changed so much all over the the world probably but but a, a lot in the neighborhood and you see so much fresh preparation in cocktails now you know i know at um El Camino, they're they're taking. It was a big hit last year, and I know they're doing it again. They're taking whole pineapples, coring them right in front of you, mashing up the pineapple, making a drink, a rum drink, and putting it right back in and giving a whole pineapple. That's amazing. It's pretty cool for us. We've been crushing. We're going to be crushing. I don't know how many watermelons right before the festival. So most of Saturday, we'll be crushing watermelons and making uh, all that stuff just for cocktails. You know, like making. What are you drinking it out of? Not with. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> We thought about that because we, we thought, like, oh, should we do should we do watermelons? But that's not going to happen. That's like the fishbowl. Yeah, it is like the fishbowl. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest things that changed in cocktails is that the influence of the fresh culinary traditions got brought to the bar. You know, back in 
the 90s when somebody did a, a cocktail bar, it meant that they were making chocolate martinis. And it was basically just combining bottles of things, you know, chocolate liqueur and chocolate and this. And now nobody that's doing a cocktail program would think of not having fresh fruit and doing everything. You know, you don't see any cranberry juice or maybe if there is, somebody has cranberries. So that's pretty cool. You see a lot of fresh herbs. I know um, at Standard Tap, we've been growing fresh herbs on our greenhouse on the roof of our uh, place. And primarily that's to use in the cocktail program. And there's really something about a festival when you see people walking around with like a giant fruit that is an actual cocktail, whether it be a pineapple or a coconut or whatever creative things they come up with. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely fun. Super fun to, to have that and the immediacy of it. But also there's, there's definitely a little Instagram moment. You got your pineapple. You got, you know, it's it's definitely somebody sees it and they were like, where did you get it? Where can I go get it? Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. And it also feels like you know, a little island life in the city, like the, get a taste of vacation. Yeah, everything doesn't have to be so serious. That's that's absolutely true. <laughs> so what does it take to put together the Second Street Festival? Oh, it's easy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, uh, you know, we have a great team. We've, we've hired some great people to help us organize it, but it's still, it's, it's a big undertaking and it's almost entirely volunteers that do it. It's a very locally based festival very grassroots if you want to put it that way and yet at the same time you have to comply with all the rules of the city all the rules of the police and the the liquor control board everybody right and um so what starts as maybe what started as maybe a, a large block party after a while you realize yeah we've got a real monster on our hands as far as that goes so we work we'll We'll probably have our first meeting a month after this festival and how we're doing it next year. What went right? What went wrong? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's been going way more right than wrong. Um, the, the festival's been growing. I think this year we might see 50,000 people out there, which I would never have dreamed of back in 2008. Knock on wood, it's been without incident as far as it's just been a very family-friendly, dog-friendly, kid-friendly event, you know, and it, I think it just... You just feel it all walking around that it's not just a beer festival or a music festival. It's like this combination that really brings people together. And it, I think that's why it's been, you know, had such a great vibe. And I understand it's put money back into the community. Yeah. When we started it, it really didn't make any money or even break even. <laughs> Wait, so who put the money out for it? The restaurants? The restaurants basically funded it. So it's like North Bowl and... Uh, El Camino and Standard Tap were the original three, and then we kind of roped in our neighbors into it. And so we, to this day, we put a substantial amount of money in to, for the privilege of being part of our own festival, I guess, put it that way. I mean, we do recoup our money, you know, because we sell stuff on the street, but we started to be able to raise some money, and immediately we thought, what should we do with it? So our first beneficiary was Liberty Lands Park, which um, is a neighborhood community-built park, community-run, and then the Northern Liberties Neighborhood Association was the next people that we started kind of funneling money to. And then eventually we realized that we should actually have a business improvement district for the neighborhood. It's something we've been missing for a long time. So we set aside money every year and contributed about $20,000 a year, several years in a row until we could actually hire a consultant and start a bid. And a bids are so important to keeping a neighborhood vibrant and clean and safe and economically diverse and everything you want. And so we're really happy that we created the bid last year. I'm somewhat happy that I'm president of the bid at this point <laughs> because it's just, you know, one more one more hat I'm wearing. But I'm, I'm really excited about it. Already it's, it's created just a lot of positive change in the neighborhood. 
Do you want to talk about the impact of the festival just on the neighborhood in general? I think it really has. I mean, I think we've, we've seen businesses locate into the neighborhood that are partly excited because they've seen this festival and they see the potential for pedestrian traffic and for all these things, you know, in the neighborhood. And then when the festival funds things as mundane as more big belly trash cans or things like that or sidewalk repairs and grants that we've been giving, it just makes the whole environment better and better. And I think the vibrancy of the festival and the fact that when someone comes and they see like a family pushing a stroller around or, you know, some people with their friendly dogs Unleashes, you know, all that. Um, the pick walking up their around. Poop. Yeah, 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 right? They see it and it does. It makes, they. it's the sense of community that people really want in a neighborhood. And I think why people move to Philadelphia from maybe more isolated areas, you know, like the, we're kind of on top of each other, but we like it that way. I mean, that's why you're there is for that, that, that sense of community is so strong. So what are the parameters of the festival on 2nd Street from where to where? So it's, if I was going to say roughly, I would say it goes from Spring Garden to Girard. It's actually just a little shy of both streets, but that's the best way to show up to the festival. I love the idea of taking public transportation because you have the L stops at Spring Garden and 2nd, and you also have Front and Girard, and either one of them sort of bookends the festival, makes it really easy to get there. So you can walk from one to the other and then hop the subway. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. And uh, let's be honest, you can't really park anywhere anyway in the city, yeah, so forget it. Forget about parking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's definitely there's definitely ways to get there by bicycle and stuff like that. If you have a bike, I'm sure you can figure it out. It's pretty easy to get to. It's a Sunday, which is kind of, you know, it's it tends to be a slower day for summer in the city. But a lot of people, I think, stay just for this festival. It's certainly by the turnout, I would I would say that's what's happening. The festival starts at noon. There'll be food and drink and music and entertainment. There'll be street buskers. There'll be stilt walkers all day. We focus some of the family-friendly kind of things, you know, the more aimed at children kind of uh, activities during the day. And then as the sun goes down, we, the bands kind of switch over to a, a a little bit more progressive vibe. I don't know how we're going to put that. We have beer gardens. There's four large beer gardens. Um, that also serve cocktails and other things. As we say, that's sort of become a bigger thing. It's all local beer this year, which is a little bit of a change, but we've got so many great local breweries have opened up in the last decade that now we can just do a whole festival of all local beer and not miss anything one little bit. That's great. Sly Fox has been a great partner for Standard Tap since the beginning, and they're still with us, and I love that. It's great. None of the restaurants close, so you can also, if you want to get out of the heat a little bit and go in and enjoy some air conditioning and a a little quieter atmosphere, that's also available. What are you looking forward to eating? (laughs) My chef would kill me if I didn't mention his smoked lamb tongue sandwich, which I really am looking forward to eating, both because it sounds delicious and also he has not let me eat it yet, even though I've seen him doing it. I love getting the grilled corn, you know, the Mexican style corn when it's in the middle of the season. It's so good. And I think I'm probably hit up the new school of ice cream makers and stuff. That's always kind of a fun way to spend a little bit of the hot summer day. All right. William Reed, co-owner of Standard Tap, is also one of the founders of the Second Street Festival. It takes place Sunday, August 4th from noon to 10 p.m. 10 p.m. What are you most excited about? I love to see all the music. I love to see all the community come together. It's going to be just amazing. Um, I guess I should uh, mention the website, which is 2ndstfestival.org is our website. Do you get to enjoy it or are you going to be working? It's a little bit of both. If uh, everything goes right, I get to enjoy it a lot. Um, if, <laughs> so you're like working up until the minute and then they call you with all the problems. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's 
it's it's a long day. It's a long push. I'll be out in the street at 6 a.m., you know, and my partner will be there too, and we'll be there at midnight. So we'll see. It'll be a it'll be a long day, but it's always a great day. And again, how many people are you expecting? We're expecting close to fifty thousand this year. Just be, the growth that we've seen each year. Over how many blocks? It's about six blocks. Six blocks, about fifty thousand people. Yeah, Amazing. but that's the whole day. They're not all there at once. Well, definitely yeah. people cycle through. But yeah, it's. Amazing. You know, a couple times we've had drone shots taken of Second Street, and it's so amazing to see. And being an old head myself, like knowing what that street looked like in 2000, when there was, I'm just, it's phenomenal to see. It's really great. Do you realize 2000 was 19 years ago? I, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. 2ndstfestival.org. And it's free, right? Just pay as you go. Pay as you go. Yeah, it's something I should have probably mentioned. It's pay free as you go. for all, pay as you go. Yeah, all the entertainment's food. free, and, and it's pay as you go for food and drink. Yep. William Reed, thank you so much. No, oh, thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.